Morning. So, I love it when I've prepared some notes to preach on, and during the worship, half of it gets said for me already. It, it, makes, it makes my job a little easier. So, this morning, the title of the preach this morning is The Tamarillo Tree. The Tamarillo Tree. Um, now, many of you may not know what a Tamarillo is. I'm looking at a sea of blank faces. So, the Tamarillo is a tree otherwise known as a tree tomato. Uh, it's originally from South America, and it's considered to be a very exotic fruit. It was made popular in New Zealand. I don't know why, but the New Zealanders discovered this South American fruit. They thought it was wonderful. They used it in all these weird, funky, wonderful recipes. And amazingly, in our garden here in George, when we moved in, we found we had a tamarillo tree. I don't know why we've got a tamarillo tree. Someone previously renting our place must have thought, here's a good idea. I'm going to plant a fruit that no one's ever heard of and no one knows anything what to do with, but we're going to have one anyway. And this year, it was a bumper crop. So I had a whole tree full of these tamarillos. I'm going to describe the flavor to you of a tamarillo. They're edible. They're edible fruit. Um, you can use them in many recipes, soups, stews, all kinds of stuff. You put it in your mouth, and it has this sweetness. And then a few seconds later, there's this bitter kick. And the you know what? I'm actually... Let me just demonstrate to you. That's going to be the easiest way to do it. I'm going to need some volunteers. Who's brave? Come on. Come on. Retief. Justin, I saw you put your hand up. Okay. All right. So if you can just line up here. Okay. Um, don't worry, it's not poisonous. What I'm going to do... I'm going to give you a little bit of tamarillo. So let's do it this way. Yeah, spread out a little bit. So what you need to see is this. It's the look on their face when they first put the fruit in their mouth, and then you see the follow-up. So just get a stick. Just poke one of those. That's right. Just pop that in your mouth. There's the sweetness. No, no small bits. It's
It starts sweet. You want more? Wow. Okay, he wants more. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put this on the coffee table at the end, and you can try some yourself later. But you start off with this real sweet, and then, <laughs> and then the bitter kicks in. Hey, Ritif, I'm not done with you yet. Ritif, I'm not done with you yet. Did I say you could sit? All right. So anyway, I had these tamarillos. And uh, I tried eating a couple of them, and I had this reaction, sweet, 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 and you go, oh, this is so nice, I'm going to, and then it hits. So I thought, I, but I, you know what? I had a whole tree full of these things, and I, I don't want to waste this lovely, juicy, ripe tamarillo fruit. So then I had a brainwave. I had a couple of ripe bananas, and I thought, you know what I'm going to do? Sweet banana, bitter tamarillo... I can sweeten this fruit. So you know what I did? I went and made... This is a tamarillo, by the way. This is what it looks like. This is a tamarillo. I went and made... Tamarillo banana bread. Okay. So, so t take a little piece of that and try that. You can take a whole piece, it's fine. So, so here's something about this wonderful banana bread that these lovely volunteers are going to tuck into so enthusiastically. Yeah, can have one. That's fine. So, they're they're going to tuck into this this tamarillo banana. You, you, it's a bit different to banana bread, isn't it? If you pick that up, it's got a little something in it. Now, what you're going to see is this. They're going to start eating this and going to think, "Oh, this is actually quite nice. It's sweet. This is nice." Then you're going to see their faces start to change slightly. Because even in banana bread, tamarillo still comes through. Sooner or later, that bitter is still going to come through. I'm so sorry, Justin, to do this to you. I tried to make it sweet, but sooner or later... That bitterness, it still comes through. You can see for yourself, there's a couple of bits left. So I'll put them on the coffee table as well at the end, okay? And you can try for yourself. Thank you so much, my willing... Most of it's not, not going to get eaten, is it? There. Oh, really? Okay. Thank you, sweet volunteers, for allowing yourself to be abused by my tamarillos. So... Obviously, there's a reason why I'm showing you this tamarillo, this very, very interesting flavor. And the reason I use that illustration is this. There's a fruit in our lives which is bitter, but we still eat it. And the fruit that I want to talk about this morning in our lives is anxiety and worry. Anxiety and worry are things that grow up in our lives. They come out. It's fruit that's born out of something. And what happens is we eat these. And for some reason, we can't resist it. You know what it's like. You worry about things. You mither about things. And you know you shouldn't, but you do anyway. And how does it leave you feeling? When you've just got really anxious about something and it's eating you up, what does it leave you with? Bitterness. You feel bad. So what we do is this. The right thing to do would be just not to eat that fruit. But you know what we do? We sweeten it. We say, ah, you know what? Um, 
what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to just kind of trust God in it. And I'm going to try and uh, find a way through, and I'm going to rationalize it. We try and sweeten the fruit. Sometimes I hear people saying things like, oh, I think, you know, God's just put me in a desert place right now and things like that. You know what they do? They still eat that bitter fruit. They still have worry and anxiety. They just dress it up in something that sounds a little sweeter. I don't actually think it's the right way to handle it. The truth is this. The same way that tamarillo fruit comes from a tamarillo tree, Worry and anxiety are fruits that come from trees in our own lives. There's something in our own lives that gives birth to these things. So if we want to deal with these things, we actually need to deal with the trees in our lives, the tamarillo trees in our own lives that give us this bitter fruit that we just can't stop eating. And so this morning, I want to talk about two different tamarillo trees in our lives that give rise to this. And then I want to talk about two ways that God sets us free. So, two trees, two ways to get free. So the first thing I want to talk about, the first Tamarillo tree, is the way that the enemy uses hoaxes. Hoaxes. Lies. April 1945... The German dictator, Adolf Hitler, was uh, sitting in his bunker in Berlin. And in April, the Russians were closing in around Berlin. Everyone thought that the end of World War II was just coming around the horizon. It was all going to be over soon. But down in the bunker, Hitler had this situation map. And on this situation map of the battlefield, he had all of these armies there. And he would say things like, no, no, we're going to go have the ultimate victory because this army is going to attack there, this army is going to attack there, this army is going to attack there, and we'll have the victory because everything's going to change around right now. Just now, it's going to change. There was just one problem. All those armies that he was looking at on a map, all those German armies, they didn't exist. They'd either been wiped out already, or they were just figments of someone's imagination. They didn't exist. And we look at that and we think, how crazy is that? How crazy is it that someone with the situation around them would hold on to things and put their faith in things that don't mean anything? That don't... Why would someone do that? Can't they see the reality of things around them? Can't they see what they really should be doing? And we think it sounds crazy. We do it too. We do it too because what the enemy has done, he sold us a huge hoax, a massive lie, which is not surprising because in John chapter 8, it says, when he, that Satan, lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. You see, what the enemy does is this. He says, your safety, your security can be found in things, in health, in wealth, in relationships. This is where you can find your security. These are the things you can rely on. If you have just enough money, you'll be fine. If you have the right relationship, the right man or woman by you, you'll be golden. If your health is perfect... 
If you can run a five-kilometer park run in 25 minutes like Quentin, you'll be fine. Problem is this. Money lets us down. Health lets us down. People, even with the best intentions, people will let us down. And we know that, right? We know that. These things will let us down. So what does it mean if we put our faith in things that let us down? What does that give rise to? If we know something's going to let us down, but that's all we've got to put our trust in, what are we going to do? We're going to worry. We're going to get anxious. We're going to worry because we know that the things we're trusting in will eventually fail us. Now, I think sometimes as Christians we think, oh, well, we know what we're trusting in. We're trusting in Jesus. So we don't have to worry about these things. You know, like we, we're not, <clears throat> we don't give in to that kind of thing. I tell you what, I don't think we're immune from it at all. I can speak in my own life. For a long, long time, <clears throat> my particular thing was that I put a lot of faith in my ability to do my job and in money and things like that. Eventually, God kicked that crutch from under me, and I realized that I was trusting in God for my forgiveness, but I was trusting in money for my provision. And I think we often do that. We trust in God for salvation, but we trust in our relationships for happiness. As Christians, we are not immune from believing this great big lie that the enemy sells us. Is it a good idea to put our faith in these things? No. Does it mean that we can't enjoy these things? I'm sure you can. If God blesses you with a Ferrari, whatever it be, Lamborghini, if you have taste, if God blesses you with that thing, enjoy it. If God... No, no, not Land Cruiser, no. <laughs> if God blesses you with something wonderful, enjoy it. It's there. God loves to pour out his blessing on people. But if you think that, if you get into a mindset where you think that that is the thing that's going to give you contentment or happiness, you are only ever going to worry because it cannot give you lasting happiness and contentment. In Luke 12, 25 to 31, it says this, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more would he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Notice that it says, God knows you need them. <laughs> right? So we're not saying... Jobs don't matter. Relationships, they do matter. God knows you need these things. But, you know, we had that beautiful picture just now of how there are parts of the world that God dresses in his beauty that we never even see. God loves us that much that he lavishes this on us. 
If God does this so much, does he not care for us? Does he know what we need? And he will provide it for us. So, the enemy's smart. He's been around a long time. And he knows that the best way to get us into a place where we have anxiety and worry is to sell us a lie, something which isn't real, to get us to trust in things other than, other than God. But if he can't do that, he's got another trick. There's a second tree, and that is the tree of hype, the Tamarillo tree of hype. Now, December 31st, 1999 was a bit of a weird day for me, personally. Um, at the time, I'd been working in technology for a few years, and specifically, I'd been working with companies that were trying to resolve the Y2K bug. Um, the Y2K bug, you know, the terrible creature that was going to make airliners fall from the sky, nuclear power stations blow up, make your toaster stop working in the morning, all those things, right? Only the 30-year-olds remember that. Okay. Okay, for those of you that might be a little bit younger, let me just very quickly explain the background to that. So uh, computers were first, modern computers first invented in 1945. Um, at the time, they had no idea what computers were going to become. The head of IBM at the time uh, said, I think this was in like 1950 or so, he said he only saw a world market in the future for five computers. So they had absolutely no forethought of where computers were going to go. Because of that, when they designed computers, they designed computers with a two-digit year. In other words, they would have, um, today would be, what is the date today? The 16th. The 16th of April, 23. Does that make sense? Not 2023, 23. The problem with that was this. It was fine in 45. 1945, it was fine in 1960, 1980, 1999. What happens when you get zero, zero? Is that 2000 or is that 1900? I worked in banking at the time and instantaneously, a lot of our clients went from being like 23 years old to 123 years old. It was wonderful. We had the oldest client base in the world. But there was this problem that they hadn't designed for this thing. I had friends and people were worried that terrible things were going to happen. I had friends who made three months' salary in one hour simply by looking at a computer screen, and if everything went wrong, they had to press the off switch. People were so scared. The truth is this, though. When the millennium happened, 1st of January 2000, nothing happened. The Y2K bug was actually... It was nothing. I think maybe, like, someone's alarm didn't go off in the morning. Maybe, you know. But really, nothing happened. And the reason why nothing happened is, and I'll be honest now, I'm a software developer. It was in our interests to hype it up. Because we got paid to fix this problem that didn't exist. So we were like, oh, it's terrible. All these awful things are going to happen. Terrible, awful things. So they said, well, how much is it going to cost to fix it? Lots. <laughs> and they paid us lots. Is it fixed? Oh, not sure. Do you want to risk it? What should we do? Pay us a bit more. It was in our interest to hype it up. 
When you're facing things in your life, it is in the enemy's interest to hype it up. There can be a real problem. It can be something real that you're facing. But the enemy takes the real thing you're facing and makes it massive. Because they know, the enemy knows if he can make it massive, he can lead you to that same place of anxiety and worry. Anxiety and worry is not a good thing. It eats you up. In Genesis, we read about a real problem for Abraham. Um, Abraham was supposed to have a son, the son of the promise, the son that would lead to all of the future for the Israelite people, um, but the son hadn't appeared, and things were getting a little bit sketchy at this point. So this is what it says in, in Genesis. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, am I, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. The problem is this. We know that God has a plan. We know we're supposed to be relying on God. We know that. The enemy hasn't sold the lie to trust in other things. We try and trust in God. But then what happens is the real problem gets big. And what happens? We worry. We start worrying. We chew on it. We get anxious about it. And then what we do is we try and shortcut what God wants to do as Abraham did with Hagar, and that didn't end so well. We do the same today. Wherever you are in life, maybe there are things that you're worried about. To give you an example from my own industry, I've got a couple of friends who are currently very worried about this new wave of artificial intelligence and how it's going to take over their jobs. It's a real problem. Because genuinely, some of these tools that are coming out in the digital industry, it's going to put their jobs at risk. It may not end up with Terminator kind of roaming the globe, but it could mean that they lose their job. So they see this. They're so anxious about it. They're talking to me. Oh, what shall I do? They're mithering. They're getting anxious. They're worrying. And now suddenly, oh, what if I lose my job? Well, then I won't be able to provide for my kids. And then well, the problem is these people don't know Jesus. So they just get chewed up by this stuff. As Christians, we can do the same if we don't realize that it's God that we put our faith in. Maybe we've offended someone. I've seen this often where someone's been offended and you go, oh, you know what, I said something to them and like now they're offended with me. Now they won't like me. Now they're going to be tending all, telling all their friends about how horrible I am. And, now, and, then, and the enemy just pokes that thing. He's like, yeah, that's all those things you said and the rest. Then you start stressing, you've got worry. That bitter fruit of worry and anxiety eats you up. The truth is that probably other person may not have even noticed what you said. But the enemy doesn't care. He'll keep you in that place of worry and anxiety. So sometimes the enemy lies. He gives us a hoax. 
And if he can't do that, what he'll do is he'll just take something real and hype it up to the max and cause us to chew on it. How do we fight this? How do we approach it in the right way? I'm going to give you two things, two ways that God helps us deal with anxiety and worry. Firstly, God gives us helpers. God gives us helpers. Nothing we have to face, we face alone. I think that's one of the lies of the enemy, actually, that we face everything alone when we don't. And I can show you that we don't face it alone. It's in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we receive ourselves from God. Do you see two comforters mentioned there? The first comforter, God. The second comforter, us. This is what God says, not Dan. This is God's words. So God says that we are not facing it alone. If you know Jesus, then there is comfort. You will receive comfort. If you know Jesus personally, God has promised his Holy Spirit to comfort us. John 14, um, 25, 26 says this. This is when Jesus is promising his Holy Spirit would come. All this I've spoken while still with you, but the advocate, that word advocate sometimes is translated comforter. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The world does not want to give you peace. The enemy wants to give you faith in things that will fail you so that you will have worry and anxiety about it. Jesus gives you peace that comes from above. The enemy wants you to sit on stew on things. That is not what God has called us to. So how do we do this? We look to God for our reassurance. We pray. We ask God for peace. We also use our friends. We pick up the phone. We say, hey, Chad, I'm stressing. Can you just have a coffee with me? Talk to me. Help give me some perspective. And even if there's no perspective to have, he'll at least point me to Jesus. And then I feel myself strengthened, comforted. Now, if there's a real issue, we do need to deal with it. So I do need to balance that. I have, in the past, found some people, let's say they've lost a job. And they say, uh, yeah, I've lost my job. I'm trusting God for a new one. Okay, so how are you doing that? I'm having faith. Okay, and so what are you doing? Faithing. Okay, have you got a CV? Don't need one. Faith. Um, okay, cool. God's gracious. God may well come through for them. But if you're facing something real in your life, yeah, you do need to deal with it. You know, if you've lost your job, try and find a job. If you've offended someone, 
go to them and try and make it right. You know, if, if you've got a health issue, go to the doctors and get checked up. I'm, I'm not saying don't do these things, but the point is this. What is our state of mind when we approach these things? Are we allowing our happiness to be dictated by the circumstance or are we trusted in God to strengthen us and carry us through that circumstance? Does that make sense? You with me? In 1 Peter 5, verse 7, it says this. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So there are things that would make us anxious. If you've got a health scare or something, yeah. Of course, there will be anxiety, but you don't have to carry it yourself. You carry it yourself. That is a bitter fruit, my friends. Cast it on God. He's inviting you to. Please, come, he's saying. Cast your anxieties on me. And then God gives us one other wonderful way that anxiety and worry in our lives can be dealt with. He gives us hope. He gives us hope. Sometimes you hear people talking about a situation, maybe their life, someone else's life, and they use these words. They say, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. That relationship, that marriage broken down, it's hopeless. No, that child that's gone off the rails, it's a hopeless situation. I don't think that as a Christian, that should be in our vocabulary. Because I don't think that anything is hopeless with God. In fact, God is hope. It says this in Romans 15, verse 13. It says, May the God of hope... Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If anxiety and worry are fruit of a tree that the enemy wants to grow in our lives, then hope is a sweet fruit that comes from another tree. The tree that hope comes from is the tree of faith. As we trust in Jesus, as we trust in him to be our provider, we receive hope. Hope is a gift given by the Holy Spirit. When we trust in God, this gift is poured out to us. We overflow with hope. I don't know about you, but I love that. It's like the concept of overflowing with hope. That means I've got more to give to other people. And how do we get there? Just by trusting in God. So we have this hope overflowing from us. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit poured out on us. What does hope do? Isaiah 40, 31. It's a much overquoted verse. I'm not sure if I gave you this one, actually, Rian, but I'll just read it out. You all know it anyway. This is what hope does when it comes from God. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I want that hope. Too often in my life, I've taken the bitter fruit of anxiety and worry and I've chewed on it. <laughs> it didn't taste good. I don't want that. I want the hope that God gives. He's given us something else as well. In Romans 15, verse 4, it says this. Romans 15, verse 4 says, 
For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that the, through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. God gives us His Spirit, He gives us each other, and He gives us a Bible that is packed full of stories of His faithfulness and His encouragement so we can have hope, so that we can renew our strength and soar on wings like eagles. And it's not just fancy words, it's a promise of God. So if you're facing a challenge or a struggle, trust in the one who is able to keep you. Preserve your life through to eternity. Read the word, find encouragement. Pray to God. Seek his peace in your life. Ask for the Holy Spirit to come in you and through you and strengthen you and lift you and raise your hope. Speak to your brothers and sisters. Say to them, listen, I need you to encourage me. I need encouragement. I need to be lifted. That's why we're here. And when God puts his hope in you, go to a brother or sister and encourage them. Let your hope, as it overflows, flow onto each other. Let God turn your sorrow and your pain into joy. In Psalm 94, 17 to 19, it says this. And this is what I want to finish on because I just think this is such a beautiful expression of God's heart. Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said, my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. We will face challenges. We will. Every one of us. Many challenges. Don't allow the challenge you're facing dictate to you how you should react. Don't let that bitter fruit of worry and anxiety come from the challenging your faces. Rather, trust in God. Call out to God. Tell God, Lord, my, my foot is slipping. And let his consolation bring you joy. I started off with the illustration of a tamarillo tree. Something that seemed sweet, but turned bitter. For some of you, maybe you've been tasting of the tamarillo tree in your own lives. Maybe you're in a place right now where you've been stressed, you've got worry, you've got anxiety about something you're facing. I can't tell you what's going to happen. I can't tell you how you're going to get through that. What I can tell you is this. Jesus is faithful and he wants to carry you through. But you have to turn to him. So this morning, as Chad said, I, I do think this requires a response. And there's two responses, I think, that we need. So the first response that I want to ask for, you might be sitting here and you might be saying, you know what? I don't know what it means to have the, the peace of God. I don't know what it means to turn to Jesus and have his joy replace my anxiety. And you don't know what that feels like because you don't know Jesus. This morning is an opportunity 
for you to meet Jesus and cast your anxieties and worries on him. So before we go anywhere else, and there's a second group I want to get to, but I don't want to move past this point without an opportunity for anyone here who does not know Jesus, does not know what it means to be safe in his arms, to be able to cast your burdens on him. I just want to give you an opportunity to meet Jesus this morning. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to ask us all just to close our eyes. And I'm just going to pray a prayer. It's going to be a very short prayer. In fact, I think it would be good if, as I pray, if, you, if we together can just repeat the prayer after me, it's going to be very short. And it's just going to be a prayer of dedicating ourselves to God for the first time. Let's just pray. Lord in heaven, I know that you have peace for me. And I want to taste your peace. And I know it's going to cost me. Because Lord, I have to belong to you. But this morning, I choose that. I choose your forgiveness. Lord, forgive me for what I've done wrong. And give me your peace. I put my faith in you. And you alone. Amen. That's a simple prayer. If any of you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, can I just ask you, as the service finishes, can you just come talk to me? I would love to tell you more about the peace that you've entered into now that Jesus has come into your life. There's a second group of people as well. I think there's some of us who've tasted the fruit of anxiety and worry. And in fact, we know it doesn't taste good and we want to put it down. And this morning is an opportunity just to renew ourselves to renew ourselves and put us our faith afresh in God. So if that's you, can I just ask you, if you're just feeling this morning, yes, I just want to give myself to God. I want to lay the anxiety and worry behind. I want to trust in God and God alone. Can I just ask you to stand with me? I'd love to just pray a prayer of dedication. And I include myself in this. Because I've, I've tasted that fruit before. I don't like it. Let's just pray together. Yeah, Lord, just as we stand here, we stand here and we just, we stand here naked before you. Recognizing that there are times when we've not heard your voice. And instead, Lord, we've gone and, and tried to, to, to 
take things that we should have given to you and we keep them ourselves and we, we mither on them and we chew on them, Lord, and we give in to anxiety and worry. And we know, Lord, that the enemy has been having, having his own way in our lives in those times, Lord. And this morning we want to repent. We want to repent and say, Lord, no more. No more will we go to those places. Instead, we put our faith in you and you alone. Lord, we trust in you. Lord, forgive us where we've had a lack of faith. Forgive us. But Lord, we know that the peace you bring is a wonderful, beautiful thing. We know that you are going to console our souls and bring us into joy. Because we know you are faithful. So as we stand here this morning, Lord, we just say we give ourselves to you afresh. Come and be Lord of every part of our lives. Nothing we hold back, Lord. We look to you and you alone. And Lord, for those of us, you know our hearts. You know where we've got things in our lives, obstacles we're coming up to, challenges we're coming up to. Lord, I just pray you give us faith. Give us faith. Give us hope. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, come into our circumstance. Help us see the perspective that you have. Nothing is impossible with you because you are a powerful, awesome, almighty, and good father to us. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in us. And we give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.